94.1 FM, 3WBC. A tantalising lot of fixtures we've seen this weekend in the VFL where Werribee and Sandringham show that they are the teams that have the desire and contenders to be the two, two, two of the teams to beat with two big upsets. The Sharks headed to Southport, set, headed from Southport to Northport um, to get the win and the Bombers go 0-8 and, and their bad luck of form continues. Welcome to VFL Rewind. We have a big show install. Special guest includes Samuel Zito, media manager from AFL Victoria. Who's, who's also a talent and second-tier competition media manager. Jess Jones, board member from Frankston Football Club, will also be joining us. Really looking forward to having a chat to Jess. Or, and also Ebony Nixon, and we have Graham Yates for our legend segment a little bit later on. As per usual, I'm joining the studio by Peter Lausch. Lausch, welcome to VFL Rewind. Massive night tonight with the interviews and some, uh, some interesting people that we are interviewing. And I reckon we get straight into the VFL results if you you think that's the right thing, the way to go. Yep. Okay, on the weekend, Port Melbourne uh, lost to the Southport Sharks 119-56. to The Bulldogs lost to the Gold Coast Suns 97-72. to The Sydney Swans defeated Coburg 115-86. to um, The... Brisbane Lions won 44-42 to against um, Williamstown, so Williamstown can't take a trick. Richmond defeated um, Essendon 79-46. to And I've just got to get back on the um, right screen and my phone keeps on jumping. Uh, GWS played Werribee, Werribee 107, defeated the Giants 54. Yep. Uh, Sandringham had a four-point win against Carlton 69-65. to and another honourable loss, unfortunately, for the Northern Bull Ants, 85 to Geelong, 98. And the teams that had the bye, Box Hill, Casey, Collingwood, Frankston, and North Melbourne. So that um, were the, that's that was the results for the VFL uh, men's competition. As I mentioned off the top, Southport come down from Southport to Northport and, yeah, got defeated. Uh, defeated Port Melbourne. Also, a few ones that stood out. Coburg showed a lot of fight, I thought, against Sydney. They are... Mm-hmm. They were down by, I think, 30-odd points in the first quarter, and they fought back to get it within – ended up being 29 points. But if you take away that first 20 minutes, they probably would have been even with them. So Coburg are heading in the right direction. Well done to them. The one that shocked me, though, uh, Brisbane and uh, uh, Williamstown, um, two points. That was a bit of a very close one. Unfortunately, Williamstown's bad kicking let him down. You know, bad kicking is bad football, as one nil Butler would say, and um, – that's what cost them in the end. I think had they been a little bit more accurate, we would have been saying what a great win by Williamstown by eight points or a couple of goals. Yeah, I think so. I think there's just bad kicking in that one. And yeah, Essendon's bad luck continues. They've gone zero and eight. So. Well, I did say at the start of the year, and you were here, um, no Danny Unit, no Essendon. Yeah. Well, so far, so right. You're on the money. You're on the money. No Danny, no Essendon because... They have not performed to the way they would have liked. Brent Stanton would not be happy, I don't think. Yeah, no, it's interesting. They are blooding a lot of young guys and um, guys that have um, 
not come through the traditional pathways. So um, I wouldn't be too worried if I was Essendon right now. Like it, it would be good if they could get, say, three or four wins on the board before the year's out, just for confidence, and then going into the preseason and having something to work on and say, okay, we had a shocking year, but at least we won three or four games. So. Yeah, they've just got to bank a few wins to get a bit of pride back in the season. Also, Northern Bull out straight a bit of fight, I thought, against Geelong. They, they had a few out. I mean, they had... Um, Billy Murphy was out yeah. with um, the super flu, as he explained it to me. So that did have a bit of an impact probably on the result. But, yeah, they, Northern Bull are up, up there. They got, got pretty close then against Geelong. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll get on to the VFLW um, whilst you organise our first guest. Um, in the VFLW, Essendon defeated Saint, uh, the Southern Saints 36-26. to uh, Hawthorne defeated Darabin sixty-five to twelve. Carlton defeated uh, Carlton lost to Casey thirty-one to sixty-six. North Melbourne had an easy win against the Western Bulldogs, who still have yet to win a game this year, fifty points to fifteen. Port Melbourne just went down at home against um, Collingwood. 32 to 41, and the Geelong Football Club had 52 to 17 against um, the Seagulls. So we've got Essendon on one end of the ladder with um, no defeats. They've had two draws, but they haven't lost a game. And on the other end, we've got the Bulldogs who have yet to win a game, and they've only got one more game to try to get get the four points on the board. So um, an interesting week ahead um, next week with the last home and away round of the VFLW. Yeah, it's going to be shaping up to be a very good last round of the VFLW. And there's a few teams there that have done pretty well. Um, Collingwood showed a lot of... uh, Paul Melbourne showed a lot of fight, I thought, against Collingwood and almost got the win, and that would have been a pretty special win. So, yeah, we're we're moving on into the finals now almost in the VFLW. It's it's come around very quick. Uh, We've got our first special guest on the line. I'm really pleased that um, this man's agreed to take our call. He's the talent and second-tier competition media manager at Australian... Football League, the AFL. He's new to the role and I'm um, really looking forward to having a chat to him. And he joins us on the line now, Samuel Zito. Samuel, thanks for taking our call and uh, welcome to VFL Rewind. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to having a chat. G'day, Sam. Lausche speaking. Tell us a little bit about your background before you got your current role at um, AFL Victoria. Yeah, certainly. So I've been at the Northern Football Netball League for the previous decade, so uh, in, a, in the media manager role there. So, um, yeah, great grounding there. Great football uh, and netball league based out of the northern suburbs at La Trobe University, the head office there. And, um, yeah, fortunate, fortunate enough to land this gig uh, just a, a few weeks ago, and it's been a great start in the role. Who encouraged you to go for the role, and what was the attraction to the role? Oh, I think for mine, I guess, like I said, I've been at the Northern Football Netball League for a decade, so I was looking to uh, to move up and, and, and higher up as, as much as I could. So when the role presented itself, I was, uh, yeah, always going to apply, and, and thankfully um, they saw enough in me to, to offer me the role. Uh, Sam, um, as I mentioned, um, the, you're new to the role, and um, I did want to ask you about, I guess, I guess being in the role not very long, but the media coverage. How have you seen the media coverage? I, I was mentioning to uh, Laoshi that there's almost, I counted up, there's almost 378 games streamed live now on the VFL app. So it's been a game changer, the app. Uh, how have you seen that, I guess, coming from the Northern Free League where I guess the structure's a little bit different? Yeah, it's been a brilliant job that uh, everyone involved has put together. I think that the ability to, to be able to watch every single game, both in the VFL and, and VFLW, uh, along with the NAB League as well, to be able to stream every single one, whether it's via the AFL website, the VFL slash VFLW app and website, and, and obviously the NAB League app as well. It just ensures that 
every moment of every game can be can be watched by anyone around the world, and it gives a great opportunity to promote our league and our brand, and and also as well as that, given the fact that when you look at the VFL league and we've got you know, clubs playing in northern states as well, it gives opportunities for people from the north to be able to watch the competition, but more so, uh, or as well as people who are based in Melbourne can watch this uh, travelling north. Yeah, exactly right. It's been a game changer, I think, from most people's opinions. That, yeah, they can sit on the couch and watch any VFL game at all that, that they want to watch. And I think that's fantastic. The coverage has been great in terms of the two commentators. They've, I think they've really broadcast it really well as well. And yeah, it's, a, it's a definitely a positive for the VFL in 2022. I wanted to t- talk a little bit about some, some of the highlights, I guess, from being in the role not that long. But what are some of the things that I guess have stood out to you um, in the VFL so far? Yeah, well, it's been a, it's a great start to you when you look at the, the ladder and obviously Casey Demons are off to a, a flyer in the, in the VFL, um, probably very similar to their AFL alliance side in Melbourne. That's, that's been a great start to the year there and just so much depth through that club there. But if you look um, you know, down the table and you look four spots the 13th, there's just six points separating uh, those sides on the ladder. So even though there's 21 teams in the competition, which is obviously a lot, and if you're towards the bottom, it can obviously make it a long grind in the back half of the year. But... There are a lot of teams still well and truly in contention. And if you look at the, or even a side like Werribee, who had a really good at the weekend, uh, you know, lost a couple of really close games when they were up late against both Carlton and, and Gold Coast. You get a couple of all of those wins and you go from potentially you know, 14th or 15th on the ladder, you could be up as high as four. So I think it's the really exciting thing is that um, you know, there's, there's, while some of the sides at the bottom might have struggled just a little bit, it doesn't seem to be a heck of a lot between the sides. Um, through the lower reaches to the top of the ladder, and it just makes it really exciting each weekend as to what the result might well pan out. With the um, live stream of every game, have any clubs raised a concern that it may affect the gate and the crowds that they're getting? Uh, not particularly. I think, um, I guess, given the, I guess the, the competition now, it's seen as the elite second-tier competition in, in the country, uh, we need to be doing what we can to ensure that all the talent's being being viewed, so therefore allowing for opportunities for players to be watched by recruiters and whatnot, so it opens up opportunities for players who are playing in the competition. And you can see the real positive of that. It, it, that becomes the destination competition where players want to play here because there's the opportunity to perhaps go up and play at the highest level. And we've obviously got a few players in contention coming into the mid-season rookie draft in a couple of weeks' time. So I think... It's a competition now that you know, it's played across multiple states as well. Um, yeah, it's great to have as many eyes on the competition as possible and, and really build that promotion. And it, it also builds into the ability for clubs to you know, buy into or, or, or attract sponsors and whatnot as well, given the fact that games are all accessible, they go to a wider audience, but also you know, through the social media pages as well, the ability to have you know, live highlights published through there as well. And it just generates more interest in the competition. With the VFLW finals approaching, the grand final, um, would you like to see that um, played on, say, a Channel 7 at some stage? Like, I'm not sure, what, what are you guys doing in the next few weeks with the VFLW grand final? Because traditionally, previously, it used to be run at the same time as the VFL, but now all of a sudden you've got a grand final in July. Yeah, that's still TBC at this stage. Obviously, there's um, yeah, still open discussions being had as well. But I think the great thing for, for the competition we've got there is the fact that when you look at the upcoming final series, and as we saw this at the weekend, there's not a lot that's separating the sides in the top half of the ladder. Um, you know, six spots still up for grabs this weekend between Collingwood and North Melbourne. But you look at 
Essendon, who's undefeated. Um, he just got over the Southern Stars, currently his fifth spot on the table. So I think there's going to be a, a lot of interest in the competition heading into these uh, finals coming up. Obviously, we've got the final round this coming weekend. Um, but yeah, it's, it's honestly going to generate a lot of interest because you look at the top three and only four points separating those sides at the moment. But then you also take into consideration the fact that the sides that are outside of the top three are also showing yeah, they're more than competitive against the top. It's going to be a great conclusion to the season. Uh, Sam, one highlight for me personally this year from the, the VFL has been the in-depth feature articles or stats by Jonty Rhodes. He is an absolute whiz when it comes to stats. It must be great to have someone like that on the team who can just pull a stat from absolutely nowhere. I think he's got stats on he's kicked 100 goals, 50 goals. It's They're great insight for anyone who hasn't uh, yeah, on the website. It must be great to have Jonty on board. Yeah, he's a fantastic asset to the competition. Obviously, he's um, not only doing the stats, but also doing previews and reviews as well each week. So he's uh, yeah, certainly a great asset. If you also take into consideration the fact that he's commentating games of the weekend too, so he's probably at venues both days of a weekend and then also doing all that work during the course of the week. Um, absolutely brilliant work he's doing and, like I said, a, a huge asset to the league. Well, Sam, we really appreciate... Well, Samuel, should I say apologies? Uh, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. Give us a bit of an insight, yeah, what's going on at the AFL. I guess, uh, yeah, lots of work out in the next probably two or three months and where the AFL... Uh, the VFL Grand Final is going to be, where the VFLW Grand Final is going to be. Really looking forward to how all that pans out. And, yeah, thank you very much for joining us uh, and good luck with the new role. Hopefully it uh, goes well. No, thank you for having me, and um, yeah, keep up the great work you're doing. It's uh, really appreciated by everyone within the league, and um, yeah, looking forward to, to chatting again later in the year. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you, Samuel Zito, there from um, a the AFL, the new media manager. Are uh, very passionate. It's great to see him come from grassroots footy too. I think that's it's yeah. a bit like the uh, I'm probably not drawing parallels, but the great man Anthony Stan gets started in. In, in the Eastern Footy League and was there for a number of years and then come in. So I, I, I enjoy that parallel in terms of knowing how to work with people and yeah. it's, it's very exciting. Well, the Northern Footy League's a very uh, a quality football league. It's probably the third strongest, maybe the fourth strongest metropolitan league in Victoria. Like you've got obviously the amateurs and then the Eastern and the EDFL, Eastern District, but Northern wouldn't be too far behind and their media coverage over the last few years has been fantastic and we know we're now why because yeah. Sam was behind it. Yeah, they had good media coverage. Yeah. Northern, they always have lots of commentators as well, yeah. I thought, um, in terms of they always had a good panel and just little things like that, yeah. I think that... I think they won a few awards as well from memory. Yeah, I remember Rob, going, Robert Winstone, yeah. one of my friends, he he's gallivanting around Europe now, but he was um, involved with the Northern Footy Netball League as well, so with I the media team. Yeah, I remember they won a, a media, AFL Vic Media Award. I remember that was a few years ago. So, yeah, great great signs at the, at the VFL. We've got a, got a great person in the role and um, yep. really looking forward to it. I think it's, it's going to be exciting. Uh, we're going to go to a break now, but we're going to be back after the break with our first special guest, our second special guest. I'm getting used to 7.15. <laughs> yeah. we, had a, we had a Sam, Sam Mood earlier tonight, which was yeah. good actually. Um, We've got our second special guest of the evening, uh, Jess Jones, communications, culture and belonging in charge of on the board at Frankston Football Club. So really looking forward to having a chat to Jess. All things, you know, membership, all things about, I guess, how they did the Anzac Day ceremony, all these little things. that Everything Frankston, we'd like to know what communication, culture and belonging is. Yeah, it's really a great looking, title. Really looking forward to it. We're going to go to a break and we'll be back after the break with Jess Jones. You're listening to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. See football is brought to you with the support of our sponsors. 
Budget car and truck rental. Tobin Brothers Funerals. Birdie's Mini Golf and Sports Bar. LP Antiques and Collectibles. Aaliyah Framing. Piranha Foods. MR Davis Constructions. Dragon City Tattoos. Buffalo Sports. And the Blackburn Hotel. Thank you for your ongoing support of 94.1 FM, 3WBC and 3WBC Football. This game's had it all today, folks, at the MCG, the home of football. This is Maker. Oh, deep on the left half forward flank, punt road, and he chips it onto App. Oh, App comes to memory, turns on his left, and bang! That's it! That's it! Memory has kicked his 100th goal of the season! Thanks, Rex. Plan your celebration with the Tobin Brothers Funerals Memory Maker app. Find out more at tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Tobin Brothers Funerals are a 3WBC sponsor. And welcome back to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. We're at the point of our second special guest. For anyone who is listening, we've had four special guests on tonight, which is really exciting. And we've got our second special guest on the line now on the Frankston Football Club board, which is a really good honour, I think. And um, something that the more people on boards, the better who want to help out and make clubs a better place is absolutely fantastic. And uh, Jess Jones is in charge of communications, culture and belonging at the Frankston Football Club. And she joins us on the line now, Jess. Jess, welcome to VFL Rewind and uh, thanks, for, thanks for coming on. Hello, thanks very much for having me. G'day Jess, Lausche speaking. Tell us a little bit uh, about your background, how you got involved with the Frank Frankston Football Club and a little bit about your portfolio down there. Yeah, sure. I uh, have a strong connection to the club. My dad was Brian Jones, senior, I believe there were two, um, and played for Frankston for around 10 years. Uh, so I spent a bit of time on the old grandstand there with my mum and uh other partners of players and yeah it's just a fantastic opportunity for me to be able to give back to a club that gave so much to to my dad and to our family when we were living in Frankston at that time. Uh, we ended up moving to the country to East Gippsland. Dad and Peter Geddes and Jeff Raven were asked to come and turn the Mafra Eagles around so we had a fantastic opportunity to move to the country then and and, uh, yeah, they were able to kind of take what they learned and take from their talent and, and reinvent the, the Mafra Footy Club. And they were treated like kings, I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Mafra Footy Club, yeah, big club in Gibson. I think they got, correct me if I'm wrong, but they got a, a pokies venue and they got a big bistro and one of the big clubs down there, if, if I'm corrected. I haven't been there for a little while. Um, there weren't pokies when I was there, or a bistro. Um, certainly in the in the main street of Mafra, but not at the footy club. But yeah, very strong. Um, obviously, family oriented oriented club. Being in the country, and it was a really, uh, I guess, unique experience growing up around community football and netball, and and seeing a whole. There was only about four and a half thousand of us at the time being able to come together and truly unite because of their passion for sport. And it's something that's really special and I think quite unique to regional and rural areas. I just wanted to talk a little bit about membership. Uh, I was alerted that Frankston have reached 1,000 members. Uh, that's an absolute phenomenal effort in, in the middle of COVID uh, ravaged seasons. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that's happened and uh, yeah, the fantastic milestone? Yeah, so we're up to 1,016 members, uh, exactly, as of today. And we've really been trying to emphasise 
the, the growth of the club and obviously coming back from the brink and, and the rebuild, but so much of that has been talking about the past and now we really want to make sure that we're ready for the future and we want everyone to jump on board and join us for the journey. It's a really exciting time for the club, um, not only with our men's team but our women's team as well and we really want to ensure that the women are getting just as much opportunity and visibility that the men do and it obviously opens up other doors for bringing in different demographics to the club as well that can come and enjoy our great game. So it's a very exciting time for the club and we're hoping to smash our record. We we had a record-breaking 1,400 members last year. Wow. And we really hope to to break that this year. Yeah, and there's still a few months to go, so I think we can do it. How's the um, application for the VFLW licence looking? Does it look like another year in the South East Women's Footy League or do you reckon you'll be ready to go in 2023? Uh, at this stage, we're aspiring to be ready to go for 2024. There's still a few things that we want to get right um, with the club and, and trying to work out the best way to do that as well. We've been really lucky to have two sensational coaches um, volunteering their time in Anthony Ratings, who's the senior coach, the head coach, and our assistant, Lee Haslam, and they both have daughters playing. Um, And Greg Hilton, who was our coach last year, he's still working pretty hard behind the scenes and also as a goal umpire when we need him. So we've got a fantastic team, and and Greg's wife, Jodie, as well as our team manager. So there's this, once again, that fantastic uh, community that, that... comes around sport and is quite united and, and um, work really well together. So we're, we're very lucky in that sense. And there's certainly a different feeling uh, at the club with the team this year. Last year was our first year in the comp and, you know, a few people that hadn't really been in the system before and others that had, had been playing footy since juniors. So this year we've, we've been quite lucky to have I think we were up to about seven um, Stingrays girls there now. We've got a couple that have come from other clubs and then we've got a fantastic core group that have stuck on from last year and the culture is fantastic and they, they're working really well together um, and we saw that in their win against Seaford last weekend. So 2024 looks like the date um, for the VFLW side, is it? That's what we're hoping, but obviously, you know, how this works. Um, there's a lot of time and, and conversation and, and planning that needs to be happening before then. So that, that's what we're looking at doing, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, we've still, still got a few things to get right. And the next question I've got, and probably the final question I've got, is communication, culture, belonging. Very interesting title. What does it all entail, that portfolio? Yeah, it's a, it's a big one. So I started on the board about 18 months ago and my background is in marketing, comms and media. So I came on just as the communications portfolio manager and that sort of led to helping out with events, helping out with other aspects of, of the organisation as well. I'm also a player mentor to the women's team and really uh, love, love being involved with them and, and having that role as well. It's quite a privilege um, but a big reason that I joined the footy club was to help improve the culture and start to look at different ways that we can be more inclusive and uh, and more diverse in our approach, not only to um, players coming through, but so creating those pathways for them, but also having a look at our administrators, our board, our volunteers, our uh, couple of employees, and, and looking at ways to make sure that 
the people that we were bringing into our club were reflecting the community that we're in. So that's a really big piece of important work and something I really want to get right and have, you know, the backing of the whole club that are on boards for this. So at the moment, I've been doing a bit of both, but looking to um, get some support with the marketing and comms and I'll switch over to really put all my um, effort and attention into the, the diversity uh, inclusion and belonging space because um, it's really important to us. We have an idea for how we want our club to look in the future and uh, it'll be a little way to get there yet, but we have started by developing a reconciliation action plan. So we've just begun that journey. We'll also be having our first Indigenous match later in the season and uh, looking at some pretty big and exciting things for the club next year as well in this area. So it is a, a big job and something really important to all of us and really important to have that connection to community. Uh, Jess, the um, Anzac Day game was an absolute winner, I thought. Uh, there was a massive crowd there. Well, you probably know better than me, but if I had to guess, I reckon it was around three, three and a half maybe, give or take. That night was absolutely huge for the Frankston community and the, the, I guess the peninsula as well. Uh, how much organising went into that? Because uh, I thought it was really well done by by you and um, Adrian Lloyd that, and the whole board. I thought it was really well structured. The ceremony, even the pre-game lunch was, was awesome as well. Um, how much work went into uh, doing all that? Yeah, look, a lot of work goes into it, uh, as it does with any uh, sporting clubs where you're relying you know, heavily on, on volunteers to help out different ways. And uh, on top of our board, and they're all volunteers, uh, we've got our president, David Friend, who I believe has been on the show before. Um, but regardless of whether you're you know, Adrian Lloyd, the CEO, or David's president, regardless of your position or your... Um, level of involvement at the club it really is a, a team effort and we have a fantastic match day manager uh, Trent Hughes um, Sam Wilmot's our admin assistant and all together it really takes all of these people to come together to make these things happen um, it's quite a big and again a really important um, initiative for us to to get around and to get right and uh, we've had some really positive feedback about it and obviously being able to award the new life members that evening as well, including the great Mick Ablett. It was a, a fantastic evening all around to, to have that happen and a huge crowd as well. So it was great. Yeah, it was a really lovely evening. I think you guys are a real winner with those Saturday night games or Friday night games down at Frankston because you're not going in direct opposition with the Mornington Peninsula and the Peden Football League. And uh, yeah. we've seen the um, crowd improvements at the night games because Brad and I have attended three Frankston games, two of them at Frankston, and we were just amazed how much um, different the crowd is at night time. Yeah, and, you know, that comes back to having a really uh, clear way about how we went about things, particularly last year, talking about the kind of crowd and the demographics we wanted to attract and to ensure it was a really safe and inclusive space to be so that anyone could come down regardless of age, background, um, beliefs, and, you know, a place where families can come down as well and bring their kids. And we've, we've now got Flippers Family Zone set up at the beach end of the ground. So we've got AFL, um, the Cedar Inflatables there uh, for all of our home games. We've got the whole grandstand now. The Brian Mace grandstand is dry, a dry area. So we've, we've done this very intentional approach to trying to get this right and trying to get the crowd um, right and for everyone to be happy and enjoying a really engaged 
game of footy, but having a little bit of entertainment, the right mix of, you know, food and, and music and, and special guests at the president's function as well. So it is it is a big job and there's still some work to do, but we've certainly put a lot of effort into into getting it right and, and really being able to, to deliver uh, some really fantastic and exciting footy. Well, Jess, we really appreciate you joining us tonight and giving us a bit of an insight of behind the scenes down at Frankston Footy Club. I think um, everything's heading in the right direction, as we mentioned, cracked the 1,000 memberships. And for anyone who is keen to get a membership, I think I've got a promotion at the moment with the Lobster Cave as well, um, if you want to mention that. We sure do, yes. So for anyone that refers a member, if you're an existing member, you can refer someone. You'll both get a $100 vouch for the Lobster Cave down in Beaumaris. Uh, we've also got a fantastic member rewards program for when you sign up as well. Plus, you know, the, the biggest part for us is showing your support and coming on this journey with us and being part of it in 2022 and hopefully beyond. Well, just really appreciate you joining us. And yeah, good luck for the rest of the year down at Frankston. Uh, everything's heading in the right direction. And uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the year. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Thanks Jess. Thanks, Jess. Jess Jones there from the Frankston Football Club. Great insight, I think, um, of what goes into a football club yeah. behind the scenes. Um, so much that you know we probably don't see when you just turn up on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night and watch the footy. I guess yeah. there's so much little, you know, even the dry zones and things like that. You know, people like like men, you probably don't even think of that. But if you got if you're taking the kids and a family, I guess you got to think of all these little things. So yeah, I made a fantastic job by them, and you can see that they're really um, heading in the right direction. And hopefully, you know, it'll be a regular thing seeing say four, five, six thousand people at a Frankston home game, if not more. They've got the they've got the whole peninsula to themselves. Exactly. They go from the second you leave what is it, Bo Morris or Morty Alec, from yeah. Morty Alec basically all the way to Portsea. Yeah. They've got so. the whole peninsula. So there's a lot of clubs down there, a lot of people, mm. a lot of people on holidays, a lot of people go down there yeah. on the weekends to their holiday houses. So there's a lot a lot of movement down the peninsula. People might go down for for a you know, a weekend and go to a Saturday night game. So yeah. So, yeah, the Friday, Friday night and Saturday night games are definitely winners for them. 100%. They, I think they're, they're definitely on a winner there. Yeah. We're going to go to a break now, now but we're going to be up, back after the break with Ebony Nixon from the Southern Saints Football Club. Really looking forward to talking to Ebony. A little bit about what's going on at Southern Saints, uh, a club who, yeah, they've got a bit of a partnership there, a bit of St Kilda and a little bit of Sandringham as well, and they've combined to come together. So really looking forward to, to chatting to it will be a good one, and obviously Paddy Hills, one of Paddy Hills' favourite players as well. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, I think we mentioned on the show last week about the jumper presentation. We'll have to talk yeah. to Ebony a little bit about yes. that as well. Uh, you're listening to VFR Rewind here on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. With every Box Hill Hawks game live, this is VFL Football on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. 3WBC Football is brought to you with the support of our sponsors. Budget Car and Truck Rental. Tobin Brothers Funerals. Birdies Mini Golf and Sports Bar. LP Antiques and Collectibles. Aaliyah Framing. Piranha Foods. MR Davids Constructions. Dragon City Tattoos. Buffalo Sports. And the Blackburn Hotel. Thank you for your ongoing support of 94.1 FM 3WBC and 3WBC Football. And welcome back to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM 3WBC. We're just over halfway point of our show and we have our third special guest on the on the show for this evening from the Southern Saints Football Club. Really looking forward to having a chat to Ebony and she joins us on the line now, Ebony Nixon from the Southern Saints. Welcome to VFL Rewind and thanks for taking our call. 
Thank you for having me. G'day, Ebony. Well, she's speaking. Long time no chat. Well, I think we said it was four or five years earlier today in a text message. Yeah, it's been a very long time. I think the last time I spoke to you was probably 2018, maybe. Yeah, I think it was the premiership year at Hawthorne. Um, congratulations on your 50 games uh, last week. And um, the great man, Paddy Hill, was um, down there presenting the jumper. Tell us a little bit about the relationship between you and Paddy, because you've obviously come across from Hawthorne in the last couple of years. And Paddy's been at St Kilda, I think, now three years or maybe four years if you count the COVID years. So, um, do you see Paddy as a bit of a mentor? Uh, yeah, Paddy's been um, incredible for me. We started our journey together um, at, as Box Hill Hawks back in 2017. Um, and it's just been. Yeah, the same ever since. So he gave me a chance back then and obviously we won the premiership in 2018 together, which I think was sort of a real... Um, it's been real connecting for us having that together. And then when I got offered the opportunity at Saints in um, at the end of 2019, I didn't actually know at the time when I got the offer that he was, he was heading over to St Kilda as well. Um, so I obviously spoke to him about it and he encouraged me to do whatever I could to obviously continue my VFL um, career um, so I moved over and he was there as well so yeah he's been he's been a great mentor for me um, on and off the field he's an incredible man and I think um, he probably doesn't get the recognition off field that, that he deserves for what he um, does for us um, in our personal lives as well as on the field. So was it was it by choice that you left uh, Hawthorne or were they just looking at changing their list and did you have any other offers from any other clubs? Uh, so no so I had the I had a chat with um, Scott White from St Kilda. He called me um, in November of 2019 and said um, I was hopefully offered a train on spot on their AFL list uh, for 2020 and then I'd obviously chatted to Paddy about leaving and playing VFL at the Saints um, but then Hawthorne delisted me anyway so really it <laughs> sort of worked out well. They, I think they were going with the angle that they wanted to have sort of a younger list coming through um, so, so they, I'd sort of thought about accepting the offer from Saints, and then that sort of cemented it for me. So they delisted you, a younger list. How old were you when you were delisted? You, you weren't that old, were you? No, I think I was twenty-five, maybe. <laughs> That's a bit stiff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I thought it was very stiff, but um, no. So they sort of came across with that angle. I'm not sure whether they knew about the offer from Saints at the time, but um, yeah. Either way, it was still a choice that. Um, I was happy to make and I always wanted to be a one-club player but at the end of the day, it's, this is what football is and the way that they were going with their list, it's obviously done well for them. They're doing really well this season in the VFL. So, yeah, yeah that's footy. Is um, the burning ambition to go the next level up at AFLW and um, doesn't matter where it is for you or are you quite happy at the um, state league level? I've always been really happy at the state league level. I've never, I personally have never had that burning desire to go to AFL. Um, I have a career outside of football um, that's pretty valuable valuable to me and I know the hours that they put in um, for AFL is insane. If I got the opportunity, I wouldn't knock it back, but I'm, I'm very happy just sitting at VFL and doing the best I can there. The Southern Saints partnership, it's a unique one, I guess. It's a, it's a bit of Sandringham and a bit of uh, St Kilda. How have you, I guess, how have you seen the, I guess, the link or the, the differences between Hawthorne Football Club and Box Hill with their partnership in the in the women's and I guess the partnership with the um, St Kilda Football Club and the Sandy Football Club, do, does the partnership work well down there? Yeah, it's different because I think a lot of people see it as St Kilda, then Sandringham and then the Southern Saints. Um, but it's really not that different at all. Marcus is an incredible president. He's 
like um, no one I've ever met before. He's always at our games. He's at the boys' games. He does his absolute utmost um, to get us together all the time. We have a lot of things with the boys that we obviously do together. Um, we had a night recently. So it's pretty... It's actually pretty united, um, although I guess the names being St Kilda, Sandringham and Southern Saints probably don't suggest it, but it's a lot different behind the scenes. And Marcus makes sure that, you know, we are one club um, and he does an incredible job. How do you see the two coaches you've had at VFLW level in the last five years? You've had Paddy Hill and you've had Dale Robinson. Um, what have they brought to your game? Because they're obviously two different people and all that. But um, if you had to pick, say, two or three things that Paddy has um, brought to your game and Dale, what would they be? Uh, both of them have sort of just taught me just to play and play my role and do what I do best. Neither of them have ever expected any more from me than what I'm capable of giving. Uh, they're both incredibly supportive off the field, which I think is probably that has pays dividends on the field more so than teaching me any style of game, probably supporting us off the field, their biggest assets in order to make us the best on the field. But most, most importantly, they just encourage us to do what we do best and not to sort of compare ourselves to other players. And Because there's no point in comparing myself to say like a Georgia McLean on our team um, or anyone else because we're not those players and they really just support your individual growth um, together but they both obviously bring different qualities um, but they're both incredible coaches I'd play under either of them happily um, at BFL. How many ex-Hawks are down there at St Kilda right now? I know Olivia Flanagan's down there and I think there's two more or three more there's a there's a whole heap of you down there like uh, that's why I, mean, I was thinking you know geez Paddy Hill must have um, been really had a real impression on you guys for you to follow him down yeah absolutely um Liv Flanagan's there Nikki Cormack Taylor Kearns uh, there's been quite a few of us that have sort of followed over um, and I think that just shows the influence that Paddy had um, and he's still supportive he comes down watches us obviously he gave me um, my jump off my 50th, and I couldn't have thought of anybody better um, to present that. And again, that was obviously Dale um, who facilitated that. Um, and yeah, so there's quite a few of us that have come over, but that's women's footy at the moment. There's a lot of movement, you know, people come and go, and it's just sort of each season you just sort of rebuild with, with what you have. On the footy front, finals locked in. Must be exciting to, uh, yeah, going away to the finals, I guess. It looks like it's going to be an interesting set of finals. You've got a few teams ahead of you who are having a bit of, a, I guess, a good run. But I guess as a team, I guess you'd be backing yourselves in the, in the next few weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think at the moment we're just looking to North Melbourne this weekend. We've still got to keep um, learning on playing four quarters of footy at the moment. Uh, but I think that looking forward to finals, there's, there's no doubt that any team can win. I think that's the beauty of women's footy is that it's always, there's never one team that's sort of a shoe-in. Um, and I think it's really exciting coming up to finals, seeing so many um, good quality teams at the top. And like the Essendon Hawthorne battle last week was really good. And I think finals won't disappoint. But we obviously want to keep training hard and seeing how far we can go into finals. But I think it's probably important we just take it one week at a time. Who are some of the um, younger girls there that you reckon might be on the um, draft radar for, for various clubs um, that have really impressed you? this season with the Saints? Uh, Pierce Altari is very impressive. Charlotte Ryan is. Chloe Saltry is also. I played with Chloe down back. She's really impressive as off the half back. Um, Pia's got a really good run and carry and an incredible boot. Um, but I think also um, Hannah Stewart, I think, although 
Um, she's sort of my age. I think that she'd be really stiff if she didn't get picked up this year um, after the year that she's had. And who's got the best booming left foot in that back line? Uh, probably me. I yeah, I thought so, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the only left footer, unfortunately, but I'll take it. No, that's what I, I actually said this to um, Dale. I go, you used to be my favourite at um, the Hawks because you had that booming left foot and I'm a left footer myself. Not that I had a booming left foot, but I always keep an eye on those booming left footers. Yeah, that's, it's funny when you are left footed because Dale will always point out in game review or you know when we're looking towards the next team who the left footers are, and I've never actually thought that it's even important, but we always point it out, so I'll take it. <laughs> uh, Hannah Stewart, she's had a great year to the great great year so far, uh, averaging really good numbers with the disposals. Um, how have you seen her year so far? Yeah, she's had a fantastic year. She's um just coming every week and still competing and she's not actually, I don't think she's had a week where she's got less than 20 disposals. She's an absolute powerhouse in there for us and her leadership off field just really, she's getting the results on field but it's no surprise given the way that she um, she carries herself off field. She's done an incredible job for us this year and she definitely leads by example so I think she'd be really stiff not to get picked up this year. Well, Ebony, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. I think me, Laoshi, and yourself have got one thing in common. We're all in the Paddy Hill bandwagon fan club. We're big, big fans of Paddy Hill, so I think we enjoyed our short t- chat and all things Paddy tonight. Uh, and uh, uh, Laoshi wants to say something, sorry. Yeah, Paddy actually can't listen to the show live, so he goes, have you got a po- podcast, boys? Because Ebony's one of my favourite footballers. <laughs> yeah, he did He did say he doesn't have favourites, but I think I, I sneak in there yeah. um, pretty easily. So, yeah, everyone should get on the Paddy bandwagon. It's yeah. a good place to be. Oh, 100%, 100%. Lock it in, Paddy Hill bandwagon. Uh, maybe get a maybe get a banner if he, if he um, coaches coaches at VFLW. Paddy for Premier, maybe you can run against Dan Andrews. <laughs> yeah, he'll give the red hot crack. <laughs> well, Ebony, really appreciate you joining us tonight. And yeah, good luck for the, the finals coming up, and uh, hopefully the Southern Saints can uh, yeah, be a big contender. Too easy, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks Ebony. Ebony. Ebony Nixon there. Great to chat. Yeah. Um, all things Southern Saints and um, see how they're going. Um, it's good good that uh, she mentioned, you know, that it's, I guess, not all St Kilda bias down there in terms of the, the VFLW programs. A lot of, a lot of Sandy. I, you know what's really refreshing is actually talking to a person saying that they're quite happy to be at state league level. Like, I personally reckon a club should take a punt on the Ebony and give her a go at an AFLW level if she wants to go that, that way. Because she's a quality footballer, and having having seen her from 2017 to now, um, she's been very, very consistent over those years. So, you know, 50 games. Hopefully, she gets that out to 100 games before the career is finished at say state league level. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think, as we always mention on VFL, where you won that. Achievements in the VFL need to be celebrated. 50 games, I think, in my opinion, is like 100 at AFL level. In terms of the amount of list changes you have at VFLW level, I think is pretty big. And yeah. I don't know why that is. I guess it's a lot of a lot of young players coming in and they get, they get offers to go play with their friends or they get better offers financially, maybe to move into state or things like that. So always think that, yeah, celebrate the small wins. Um, 50 games is a fantastic milestone. And hopefully Ebony can, yeah, well, keep, I, keep playing. I hope one of the expansion teams might have a look at it. Maybe, you know, it sounds ironic, Hawthorne, <laughs> go back there, maybe Essendon, um, or if she wants to, maybe go, go interstate because um, she has got the experience and she's got a, got that cool head under pressure as well. Yeah, it was a great chat. Uh, got a few things we want to chat about now. We've got a few minutes till we get our next special guest on, Graham Yates. Uh, had a report from a, a VFL ground, um, a certain person was not happy that... 
a fire alarm went off a few times at the ground and uh, the canteen kept on letting the fire fire alarm off and uh, this person was not happy. Where was this, mate? Where? I, I don't want to say where it was, but uh, the canteen in, in question um, needs to probably lift their game, I think, because uh, they're probably not number one on the canteen VFL canteen rating list at the moment. I reckon they, they might be in the bottom four and they're, they're down the peninsula way. So I think they've got to lift their game a bit. Oh, yeah, is it, we're not talking about Sandringham, are we? No, nah, a little bit of, south of Sandringham. Bit of, a bit south of Sandringham, okay. Yeah, oh, we'll, um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, the canteen ratings, actually, we're going to have to do that pretty soon, actually. Maybe another month and we'll have the trophy um, ready to go again. We'll, we don't know who's going to win it this year. I, I honestly cannot tell you who's going to win it. In, in our previous years, I think we sort of had a sort of we had a, a suspicion, but this year... I, couldn't tell you. Mate, I've been to a lot of um, good local footy clubs this year as well on top of VFL canteens, and I'll tell you what, some of the local clubs would actually um, beat the best VFL clubs hands down with, with their variety. So, um, yeah, well, mate, if the alarms go off um, at the uh, at certain canteen venues, that's not much we can do, you know. Obviously, put your smoke detector somewhere else. I mate. just means you can't the, eat. That's the, 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 I'm not, I feel sorry for him. It just means that there's no canteen for a little well, while. So well, we can't rate them. It's a bit hard to rate them. <laughs> it is hard to rate. But hey, I tell you what, at least North Melbourne supporters would feel at home because at Arden Street, you get nothing. Yeah, at Arden Street, you, you know, yeah, you get water. Yeah, it's like it's like doing that, um, what's that um, fasting diet called, you know, where you sort of um, don't eat for 16 hours and um, intermittent fasting. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you go to North Melbourne because they've got no canteen. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, well, no, we have to start thinking about those ratings and visiting a few more venues. So, we'll um, definitely, I don't think you'll be coming to the eastern suburbs, mate. Definitely not. At the end, of the, as for anyone who doesn't know, it's, it's a two tier voting system. So, me and Laoshi vote. Um, it's a bit like, uh, What's that? What's that show? Uh, the block where they go in and they give their votes. Uh, me and Lashy try not to, uh, you know, uh, tell each other how to vote. We just we just do it independently. But I would agree with you. I don't think it's going in the eastern suburbs. Yeah, you can't see it in the sort of inner suburbs like Collingwood or North Melbourne right now. We we still got a few to visit. I tell you what, Williamstown. They could be the bolter. They are, you know, got Portello there. So, you know, Cameron Towns and didn't he enjoy having a um, Portello down there the other week? It's a good drink, Portello. And yeah, we Great was, drink. They, I think they, they promised that they were going to bring the Chico Rolls as well. Yeah, so. well, that's my harassment. That's, um, you know, because 2023, I'm not attending a v- venues that don't have Chico Rolls. Yeah, well, that's fair because you're a big Chico Roll man. You love your Chicos. Love them ever since I came across them at TIO Stadium in Darwin. <laughs> they're, they're a cult figure menu item for Laoshi, that's for sure. We're going to go to a break now, though. We're going to be back after the break with our last special guest of the evening, Graham Yates. Talk all things VFA. VFA legend segment, as we know, is on at 7.45. And looking forward to having a chat to Graham about his great career at VFA level. You're listening to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. 3WBC Football is brought to you with the support of our sponsors. Budget Car and Truck Rental. Tobin Brothers Funerals. Birdies Mini Golf and Sports Bar. LP Antiques and Collectibles. Aaliyah Framing. Piranha Foods. MR Davids Constructions. Dragon City Tattoos. Buffalo Sports. And the Blackburn Hotel. Thank you for your ongoing support of 94.1 FM 3WBC and 3WBC Football.
And welcome back to VFL Rewind here on 94.1 FM, 3WBC. We're at the point of our VFA legend segment. And this one's a really interesting one. Two clubs, or three clubs, sorry, three clubs over a, a bit of a period. Paran, Sandringham, and Sandy. Two, Springvale. Uh, Springvale, sorry, not, not Sandringham. Uh, Co- coach at Sandringham. Yeah, coach, coach in 2000, premiership side at uh, Sandringham. Uh, some pretty, I was looking through that team list the other day, Lausch, and geez, that was a good team. That, Ooh, yeah. that was a very good team. So looking forward to chatting to Graham about it now. And he joins us on the line, Graham Yates. Graham, thank you very much for taking our call and uh, yeah, reminiscing about the old VFA days. Good on you, Brad. Thanks for having me. G'day, Graham. Lausch, speaking. How are you, mate? G'day, Peter. How are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Um, That's good. Let's talk about your um, journey to Paran. How did we get to Paran? In the old days? Uh, I lived, well, I lived in Paran um, and just went to the local primary school there and um, growing up with all my mates, we played uh, cricket at Paran and all my junior footy, I think I started in under, might have been under 12s or 13s and uh, worked my way through the <laughs> through the age groups and, and when I got to 17, um, I was playing... I was playing in the under-19s on the Saturday and backing up Sunday morning and playing in the under-17s. So it was a bit of a... It was a tough time, and, and but it was good for me. And in that year, uh, I think it was the fourth-last game I played my first senior VFA game, which was against... Um, it was against Williamstown uh, at Brand. So that was a... That was a eye-watering sort of uh, pipe opener for me. <laughs> and who actually came knocking at Paran to get your services down at the Melbourne Football Club? Uh, there's a guy, a guy called Barry Reardon was sort of the Melbourne recruiter. He might have been Metro recruiter because it was in the zones in those days. And um, I think I was playing, I might have been playing in an under... I think I was playing an under-17 game out at, uh, out at Waverley, at the old VFA Waverley ground. Um, and I remember the coach saying that, you know, this recruiter's here to watch uh, two or three of the players. And I, I think I played at Senar Ford at 5-10 and kicked 10 goals. So maybe he liked what he saw and, and I got an invite over the next couple of weeks. And, and uh, as an 18-year-old, I just went and had a couple of runs in the under-19s at Melbourne and following year I, I joined uh, the Mighty Demons. I want to fast forward a little bit to 1996. What a year. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, can you tell us how the last few minutes of that grand final went down? Um, it, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a blur for me because um, I think I went off about halfway through the second quarter because I got a accidental off in the back of the head, so I had to go in and get about uh, seven or eight stitches, and and I only I only came back out on the ground at about the ten or the twelve minute mark of the last quarter, so I think I missed about an hour of the game. Wow! Uh, trying to trying to get stitched up, and uh, I just remember Brad Gotch sending me back on the ground, and and you know with some expletives saying, "Can you do the? Can you do effing something for us in this last <laughs> ten minutes?" So. Uh, just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and it was uh, yeah, pretty exhilarating to be in that position and, and given that opportunity and help our team uh, win the coveted uh, premiership. 
I remember us talking about this down at the Port Colts, um, where I said, oh, geez, the last 47 seconds, Graeme, um, you, you covered yourself in glory. And you said to me, um, Peter, he goes, I didn't do much more, didn't do much else on that day. So, <laughs> but you no, were there. I was just a broken down old act, mate. <laughs> I, 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 the body was failing. I'd, I'd, you know, I'd never hurt the knee, and I'd hurt the knee that year, and I'd never done a hammy, and I'd tore my hammy that year, so I'd. You know, the body was just packing up and, and wanting to have a rest. Uh, how did you end up getting to Springvale after you finished up at Melbourne? I spoke to, at the end of, uh, when I finished at Melbourne in 95, uh, I spoke to I spoke to John Many and Tommy Alvin, who was the Sandringham coach, just about coming on board as a, like a playing assistant, and I had a similar conversation with Gotchi at Springvale. Um, and I had a relationship with, a few of the boys at Springvale and a couple of mates of mine were heavily involved there, so um, I made that choice um, and yeah, it happened to be the right one. And it was a, it was a good fun year. They were a great bunch of blokes, a, a really good club, and, and you know I remember celebrating long and hard for a couple of days. Wanted to fast forward a little bit to 2000, as we mentioned it um, just before we got you on. Premiership, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and I do want to ask you this, uh, I'm pretty sure my memory serves me correct. My memory is not the great, the best, but you, you accepted the premiership trophy with a a, a little young fella um, with you. And I want to ask: Is is he? How's his footy journey going? No, no, that was my daughter Chloe. Oh, it was your daughter. Was, Sorry, uh, apologise. That was my daughter Chloe. Apologise. Yeah, she, yeah, uh, yeah, she was screaming her head off, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where I remember it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think the. Um, I think the the most exciting part of that um, reception was when Richard Maloney got up and and uh, accepted the man of the match, and I think he he said the uh, f word in his speech. So I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure that went down too well. But um, yeah, that was a now I just happened to be at the right place at the right time there, and um, in I started in '99 at Sandringham. Um, and you know that was a that was sort of my first coaching gig. I was pretty raw, and um, then at the end of '99, Melbourne teamed up with um, merged with or aligned with uh, the Melbourne Footy Club in what's now the VFL, and um, we, we uh, yeah, it was, it was a really tough year. It was a it was a manic sort of year trying to manage two groups of players who wanted two very different things and. Um, you know, I was trying to trying to mentor and, and manage uh, the Sandy blokes while trying to do a development role at Melbourne. So it was a, you know, things have changed a little bit now and it's far more accepted. But back in those days, it was it was a pretty tough gig trying to appease everybody. Did you um, ever actually apply for any AFL gigs? Were there any bites from clubs approaching you? No, no, no none, mate. None. No, I was, I, was, I was rat to be able to coach it. VFL level, and I had uh, I was sort of at Melbourne full time for four years, so I had a development role there. Um, had a number of roles, match day, uh, looking at opposition. Um, uh, I had the phone, you know, for one season where Neil was yelling in one ear, I was listening with the phone in the other ear, and sending messages to the runner and doing the board at the same time. 
So it was uh, it was pretty challenging. It was good fun though. It, it was sort of learn on the run there. And with the Dandenong Stingrays, because you spent a hell of a lot of time there with um, Darren Flanagan, um, they yeah, must have, they must yeah, have given yeah. you the greatest enjoyment. But seeing youngsters develop and then seeing them getting onto AFL lists down a couple of years down yeah. the track. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know uh, Darren approached me, and because he was working at Melbourne at the time, um, and he said, "I'm, you know, we're looking for a coach." And I sort of, I didn't really, I didn't really jump at it. I sort of took me a while to sort of work out if I wanted to go and do that sort of thing um, and you know when I made the move and decided to um, take on the drivers but you know I coached there for 10 years and it was the most enjoyable 10 years of my footy life um, you know coaching kids who you know raw green 16, 17, 18 year old kids who, who have you know great ambitions and um had great work ethics, and it was just it was just fantastic for me. You know, I remember when I was a kid, and the indelible marks coaches made on me. So, you know, it was a, it was an opportunity to help these kids uh, in a development phase, and and you know, there's no they've got no preconceived ideas on how to play the game or how to be coached when they're 17 or 18. It's very different coaching 25 and 28 year olds who have played 200 games. Uh, Graham, you've got to start that. I'm not sure if you ever bring it out at parties or anything like that, but uh, the final ever premiership coach in the VFL or AFL at Waverley Park, uh, back out at two, in 2000 at Waverley Park, it must, it must be a, a bit of a special stat, I guess, because, uh, yeah, that was the last game ever there, um, I think, besides, yeah. yeah. No, I, just, I remember the day, Brad. It was a pretty miserable sort of day. It was a bit it was a bit windy and typical of if anyone's been out the Waverley in those... Uh, cold winter days when the rain was coming in sideways um, and we played North Ballarat who didn't have a great um, a great big following and there might have been 15 or 20,000 people there, it looked like there was about 500 people because uh, they were pretty sparkly uh, uh, presented around the ground and um, you know it was, a, it was good fun, uh, we had a great team, like our seconds won the premiership that year as well uh, oh, by 10 or 12 goals you know, and we, uh, I think we, I think we only had eight Melbourne players in that team that grand final day, and twelve Sandy players. So um, it was a great, it was a great result for the Sandy Footy Club, and something they should be really proud of. I always ask this question from a former VFL coach: What do you think of the current competition compared to when you were coaching in it? Like now, as an outsider looking in, um, how do you see the competition? Uh, I, 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 to be honest. Pete, I don't, I don't, I don't watch a lot of VFL. I, I watch it occasionally on a Saturday uh, or a Sunday when it's on Channel Seven, but I don't, I haven't really watched a lot of um, VFL footy. I think it's, I think it's more uh, um, attuned to more a more development league for AFL clubs and for players uh, who want to go to non-aligned clubs to show their. You know they're bona fides at that level, and I think you know it's a, I, th- I think it's a great competition. You know I think there's 20 teams in it now, and um, for for kids that have come through the Tech Cup, it gives them another avenue, another opportunity uh, in their develop still in their development phase. So it, it's it's sort of different to how it was. It was a bit, uh, you know, it was a every man for himself. I think back in my day, anyway, and uh, you know it was a it was a different sort of game. The passion was a bit different. Um, the clubs are a bit different, so today it's more around the development stuff. Uh, 
you must for be, AFL clubs and just getting players ready for that. You must be proud, but to also have a couple of your boys from the Port Melbourne Colts footy club on VFL lists, and um, that leads me to my next question. How are you finding coaching at the local level, and especially at the Colts? No, I've really enjoyed it, uh, Pete. Um, Paul Colts is a you know, proud club. Um, you know, it's got its it's got its uh, deficiencies, and there are areas that we we know as a club we need to work on to get better. And um, but I, you know, I really enjoy the comradeship amongst the group and off field. Uh, you know, I've got some really good help with Darren Flanagan, <laughs> who I dragged to help me. I said, well, I took the Danny Stingrace job. You've got to come and help me because he lives around the corner. So I drag him down for, for one night a week and on game day, and he's been tremendous. Jason Clark and um, Stephen Duke, the president down there, doing an incredible job. They work pretty hard and, and long hours. Um, and, yeah, I still, I still really enjoy uh, the coaching um I guess the coaching sphere and and trying to help kids or you know or anybody at any age and um, you know I think whether you're 25 or 18 you you can still develop and get better and improve and they're the kinds of things that I'm trying to sell to to the Port Colts um, group 